service of Stefan Ozic. What is going up, people? Feels so good to be back. It's been a long, long minute. Just life doing what life does. I've just been going through a lot of my own processes. A lot of uh, battles I've had to endure. Life does what life does. And as we hear in the podcast, you know, suffering is inevitable. And I've gone through my own dose of that. That'll be said in another time. But yeah, a lot of processing and a lot of witnessing as to what my function is and how I'm going to proceed with these podcasts because I do deeply intend to continue this uh, and going down this route because I truly believe that there's some amazing people out there that have amazing stories and I love to talk to those amazing people and ask the questions that probably aren't asked enough and this this episode is not an exception. It is embedded with a lot of richness and darkness. And yeah, I'd just like to say a massive thanks to Josh for opening up his house for me to record it in and sharing his journey. And as you probably hear throughout the episode, we don't actually mention any names or specific titles just to in the name of um safety and just uh and anonymity just to keep it clean but I think you all get the get the idea. So yeah. Hope you all enjoy it. And I've got a few more epic episodes coming up. So strap up. This is my longest one yet and I think it's gonna stick around this length in the future. I feel you we really get to hear more about the about the person and we really get to explore together. So I hope you all enjoy and I'll be tuning in on the next one. Much love. Thanks for this, bro. I appreciate the time, man. No worries. Um yeah, I found out about you through our mutual friend Joe. And he this is when he was kind of going on his real deep exploration through spiritual work and a lot of like inner work and he mentioned you I remember and I was kind of like oh yeah cool cool and one thing led to another then we met vibed out I loved your approach and then I heard your story which is essentially the reason we are here I think uh with what you you know what what you went through and the story you're actually on now I think it just for me it just interested me and I think it had a lot of value so yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, want to explore this and whatnot. Um, <coughs> so, I, what, what, are you, what are you up to now? What's, what's kind of happening now for you? I'd like to kind of start there and then kind of bring it back to the beginning just so cool. it kind of creates that, yeah, that cohesion. Yeah. yeah, man, no worries. Um, so, I guess, um, like, life situation kind of thing? Yeah, and kind of like... Way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so currently, um, I'm a father to one. My partner has a boy as well. Um, so there's two children whom I'm, I 
I look after. My little one is, um, she's eight now. Um, and I'm full-time in fatherhood. <laughs> um, Career-wise, I'm a caregiver. So I look after a disabled woman um, privately. Um, very, very fortunate in that circumstance. Like I have um, a, lot of, a lot of time um, up my sleeve. So um, that's what I'm doing like for, I guess you'd say for work. Mm. Um, and then kind of like on the outskirts of all of that, I've got a, um, just kind of like following a bit of an intuition at the moment, which is to um, engage with something that I can share a little bit more of, a little bit more of my experience with. Um, and so I've got uh, my very first workshop online workshop set up for um, the 13th of Feb um, and that's taking a good sort of hard look at how to fall in love with life and that's what it's called the workshop's called how to fall in love with life mm. and it's kind of just um, it's really just um, an extension of my own experience and um, you know foundations some, I guess some foundational points um, that I've kind of lived through, lived by, um, transitioning from um, um, a life of um, trying to force my, trying to force everything in life, trying to force my way into a happier life, trying to um, wrestle and argue with everything and um, sort of coming up against myself and seeing that that doesn't work very well and um, um, and then finally having to confront those things to to face them and to see that there's um, a much deeper, much more beautiful side to life. Um, and so I'm aligning to share that experience with people. Yeah, beautiful. You said you said an uh, interesting word. You said you're trying to force everything to fall into place and whatnot. I'm curious that when you... Is that kind of a retrospective, um, like, realisation? At the time, did you realise you were doing that? No. Yeah, it was until now where you kind of realised that yeah. was the energy you were really putting out. Yeah, yeah. Only looking back could I see that my, the, the way I was navigating life was trying to, f trying to make things happen. Um, like I said, trying to force my way through life. Yeah, yeah, yeah it worked. I see you're a pretty massive dude. Are you still working out and training? Yeah, I, I still keep it as a hobby. Like, uh, I go through little waves of it. I go through, like, I'll have waves of um, leaving it alone for a little bit. And um, But I've competed as a bodybuilder since I was 16. Um, young. I my most, yep, yep, young. Um, went down the dark side of that. <laughs> and um, I went all the way down to... Um, um, competing professionally in bodybuilding. Um, I did my last competition. My most recent one was last, not this November, just been not 2021, but 2020. Um, November 2020, I competed uh, for Mr. Palmerston North. I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and then I just kind of, yeah, I don't know, it's nothing too serious. I, I'm, I'm not like bound by my sport, but I do enjoy it. So I yeah. just kind of dabble with it. Yeah. yeah. What What was it in you that was um, compelled to bodybuild? Because at that age, it's one thing to, I know a lot of people that started training when they were like 
13, 14, 15, lifting weights predominantly, and that's like a young time to pursue that. Was that, do you feel that um, carried over into also why you went down the other route with, you know, the, the cruise and that, that, that side too? Did that kind of have a crossover in any way? Yeah, massive, massively. They're like, they're just so closely interlinked. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so like the two main reasons for identifying as a bodybuilder or identifying as a gangster was image, you know, like how I would be perceived and accepted in the world. And if I wasn't being accepted, uh, if I wasn't making it as an accepted person, you know, like in the eyes of society, having lots of things and um, <laughs> chasing acceptance, which is such a funny thing, man, because, you know, we're always accepted by peers and by people and... Um, I mean, we're always judged too, but we're all, there's always some level of acceptance. And it's us, um, it's this need for more, this like everlasting hunger for just want a little bit more. But yeah, I was, it was image oriented to go down the bodybuilding thing. I, as a young boy, my father used to bring home bodybuilding magazines and I used to love looking at the pictures and seeing movies of Arnie and, and um, Sylvester Stallone. Pumping Iron, Pump, I imagine was yeah, in the mix. Yeah, and the yeah. Predator and all that kind of stuff was, that was my jam. And, and Rambo, um, we used to watch those together as a, when I was a kid. Um, and then Dad was a competitive athlete, um, so I was always into some form of competitive sport, so I boxed competitively and uh, played um, competitive basketball as well um, at representative level. And um, and so, like, I was... I was raised by a competitive athlete and so I functioned as one and I loved sports, I loved physical activity. Um, I started to transition away from boxing um, because... Um, Where was this in the timeline, the boxing? I was, uh, I boxed for about three years up until I was about 15, 16 years old. Okay, so you're really in it at a young, you started like yep. that whole physical approach you know that kind of lifestyle yep. at a young age yeah yeah like I, I think I started like competitive tr level training when I was about 11 um, and that was in basketball um, pushed my way into representative training um, started boxing to get fit to be a fitter um, athlete in basketball um, because boxing to me was like the ultimate form of fitness fell in love with boxing left basketball alone and then in boxing, wanted to move up a weight class, so started lifting weights, liked the look, so then left boxing for lifting weights, decided I wanted to do something with lifting weights, so I competed at the age of 16, won my first competition, got a bit of a rush off that, and um, carried on down that path, became obsessed with, um, with bodybuilding, wanted to be, you know, a Mr. Olympia, wanted to sort of like run down that track and um, identified as a bodybuilder. Um, and it gave me, it gave me what seemed like purpose for a while, you know, like it gave me, people referred to me as a, 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 they were accepting me because I was different to them. They were accepting me because I was big and I looked interesting, you know? Um, so, and I liked that. I liked, I liked, um, I liked the attention. So I liked the attention from, uh, from females who liked um, a, um, a bigger looking person yeah. but I also like the attention from guys who would um, push past females to speak to me at a club you know 
to ask me what I did for my workout. Do I do I do this? Do I do that? Do I take steroids? Don't I? You know, um, all of that type of stuff. I loved that that interaction. I love the attention. Um, yeah, yeah. So so um, it was, but it was. I love so. There's two parts that I really liked about it. The one part was. Um, I loved the attention, the f the interactions, the acknowledgement, the acceptance mm. I was receiving. Yeah. But I also really, really, I've I've always enjoyed, um, like losing myself in a workout. Yeah. Um, like a um, if you compare two people at a gym, someone who's a competitive athlete, and somebody who just trains because they want to get fit. Yeah. The two can't compare. Yes, you can't compare yes. them. One yeah. person falls in love with losing themselves in a workout. Yeah. One person doesn't see a workout as something painfully dis uncomfortable. Mm. They see it as painfully beautiful. Mm. And the other person will only push themselves to a very, very low limit because they're afraid of the pain kind of thing. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah, I know yeah. what you're saying. It c what came up there is like the, the theme of like acceptance. So you felt, it sounds like you, a lot of it was like you were... Uh, obviously accepting it from your peers but it sounds like there was a lot of acceptance in yourself and like this is this is who you are and like you seem to have that and for you that was through the physical output yeah i think um like you said retrospectively looking back there wasn't acceptance in myself for who i was yeah. therefore i had to go down the body building route to experience the acceptance in other people and once i was experiencing acceptance and admiration from people for looking a particular way um, then that became something I clung on to as an identity mm. this means something to me because I'm getting something out of it so I'll give my entire life to it kind of thing yeah, you know yeah. do you, is your tattoos kind of a emulation of that you feel in a sense uh, my tats there's like uh, there's some of them which I got done at a point in my life which reflect that point in my life quite <coughs> obviously yeah. there's uh, like a big um, dead guy with a chain around his face um, there's a lot of skulls there's like a, um, a lot of surface area yeah yeah so all of that type there's Anubis on my hand a what a Anubis the god of the underworld oh whoa um, just the yeah, um, yeah, yeah. there's a severed hand and all of that is just a representation just a massive reflection for where my mind was at at that point in time mm. violent mm. Um, but lost mm. in the storm mm. and um, could only really see a lot of um, I mean my image that I wanted to present to the world was a dark mm. person you mm. know yeah. and then you contrasted with that mandala you now have on your neck yeah so I got the mandala lotus flower on my neck and that was um, I got that done maybe two or three years ago now Wow, look, con it's the contrast, contrast. is quite... Yes, yeah, obvious. It's, yeah, very, yeah. very. So I'm curious now then to bring it in, like, so with the bodybuilding um, stuff and that world, where did the, where did the, the gang kind of approach come into that? Was, that? was that something that you kind of fell into being in that world or was it something that kind of were one and the same? Mm, good question. So uh, the bodybuilding scene is... Uh, um, they've got a real big plug on on the drug world yeah. um not all bodybuilders but you know like they <laughs> in the bodybuilding world um steroids and things are a part of the game mm. you know um and so 
it, it sort of just takes you down. It's, if you go down that particular path in bodybuilding, which I did, um, it, it kind of, it takes you down another path altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself one day with an opportunity um, to, to make some money off, um, off selling some drugs for a friend of mine who was going overseas who needed someone to look after his business. And um, initially I was kind of like, nah, fuck that. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk it. And I thought about it and I was like, wait, this could be like a breakthrough moment because all I'm doing is I'm working at a, I mean, I was a student working at a supplement store making bugger all. And, um, and I seen all of my, a couple of my friends with like, you know, nice flashy cars and things. I wanted that. I wasn't exposed to the gang world as such at this point in time. Okay. I used to see them um, and kind of, I was always very curious <coughs> about it. Yeah. Really curious about gangsters. I don't know what it was. Um, mm. Something in me was just curious about them whenever I'd see them. Um, but well, I didn't have too many ties or anything like that to that yeah. world at this point in time. But I got introduced into the drug world, made a bit of money, um, got, got, a, got addicted to um, the easy lifestyle that you can have as a drug dealer. So I took yeah. that on full time for a number of years. Um, so I didn't work. I went into um, um, selling shit, <laughs> selling shit for, um, for a number of years full time. Um, uh, and in that world, you know, in my, in my early twenties, um, the drug world, the drug world is kind of like, it's all about glamour, you know, like who, who can afford what, what, who can afford what? And the people at the top have plenty of money to splash, um, and they show it off. They're not quiet about it necessarily. They've got flash cars, a lot of gold, a lot of jewelry, um, they go to the finer places in, in the city and uh, a lot of leisurely activities. Um, and that appealed to me. The whole appearance, the whole um, I'm a somebody here, much more than I was a somebody back down there in bodybuilding. Yeah. So I decided to pursue that because it was then um, a, a, an even deeper identity or a bigger identity for me. You know, I'm, I'm even more of a somebody here. There's more people that um, that want that want me here and um, I want to look like the person above me. So then I looked at the guy who I was um, buying from. What did he have? He had everything I wanted. Fast cars. Uh, he had the hot misses um, or a couple of them. He had um, a lot of gold jewelry. Um, and then I noticed these guys at the top, they're answering to somebody. And so I, like, I went so far um, in that game what do you mean by answering to somebody like there's someone above them. above them yeah so there's always somebody above them who um who they were answering to meaning who they were paying money to and that person seemed to be even bigger again in mm. scope of identity mm. and so when i looked at that who were they answering to and it was um you know gangsters and um and uh that to me was kind of like the holy grail Nobody gets higher than that in that world. Nobody can go higher than a gangster. Um, speaking respectively, you know, within ranks of that. But yeah, yeah. Um, 
so then I decided, right, I, it kind of like crossed my mind a couple times um, to to sort of like sniff around in that in that world and, and being involved in the drug world, naturally I was aligned with gangsters, with people in different clubs and I, I typically held really, really healthy relationships with everybody that I met. Um, you know, was it was that was that was? Do you think that was intentional, or do you think that's just your personality? It's just my personality. People just like me, and they gravitate towards me. Um, what do you think that is? Uh, I think because underneath all the bullshit, there's something a lot more genuine and a lot more kind of yeah. something that can um, resonate and understand with everybody. Mm. Um, and that's so, got nothing to do with me trying to put a front on. With yeah, because I, I get that vibe from you. you. You seem to not try. You're just you. Yeah. I imagine even even in that in that kind of syndicate, let's say, that even then they probably saw that too and saw that, well, fuck, he's not actually trying to show up and be something. He's just himself. And even then they could see that attraction. Yeah. 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 Like there was, I, I remember there was a couple of occasions where um, people that I was hanging out with, they were pretty heavy. Um, you know, in that world, there's not a lot of respect for your female. Um uh, you can say there is, but um, when push comes to shove and you see um, a lot of your friends, you know, um, sometimes beating their partners or um, talking down, like really talking um, in a, like a really heavy condescending nature to their partners, um, that, that's really tolerated, accepted and normal. Mm. Um, but I was raised differently and... Um, I wasn't afraid to show love to my partner. I mean, I, I, I definitely went down that route of speaking condescendingly to um, the person that I was at within that time. Yeah. Do you think a part of that too is because it was so normalised yes. as well? Yes, and I wanted to sort of like feel like I was fitting yeah. in in yeah. my own yeah. way. Emulating that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, and, um, but I wasn't afraid to show love to my partner in front of whoever as well. I wasn't afraid of that at all. Like there was no, I wasn't... Um, bound by an image of being too hard so that I couldn't show love for my partner. In fact, I did it the opposite. I showed a lot of love outwardly to my partner in front of people. And a lot of the guys would ask me how I did it. You know, how do you do that? How do you tell your missus that you love her in front of all the boys? And While still being in that sort yeah, of... Yeah, I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Fuck. So it's just so normal for you. Yeah, such it's a natural, normal thing. Natural. Yeah, to express love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, do you, yeah, so I guess you kind of answered it. So do you feel that rubbed off on some of the boys as well? And that While that I was around them. Extent? Yeah. yeah, while I was yeah. around them, it did, yeah. 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 Wow. Did they ever um, come up to you and be like, yo, bro, like, like, how do you do it? Asking, like, like how do you juggle? How are you, how are you, how are you doing this both? It seems like contradictory. Yeah, I never knew how to answer it though. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I could never have an answer for them. It was just, interesting. I don't know, I just love her. <laughs> you know? wow. Yeah. Um, even though like my behaviours um, in relationships back then was far from like it was totally different to how I am, how I would function today. Like it was still extremely disrespectful, but there was there was still a side of me that liked to express love. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I could never have an answer as to like, because I did have people, you know, why aren't you afraid of expressing? One of my one of my best friends asked me. How do you do that? You know, how do you, um, 
How at do you the time, or was this recently? That was at the time. Yeah. How do you show so much love in front of your to your partner in front of everybody? And I couldn't give him an answer. That I have no idea. Didn't bother me that I did it. You know. And I think that's probably the best as well because you're not having a like grapple with anything. It's just well, it's normal. Yeah. Yeah. So you could. So you wouldn't be too. You wouldn't have to kind of fight demons and trying to show up in that and then come to your wife. Whereas, well, your your partner, I should say, at the time. You didn't have to really grapple with it. You could kind of just go into it because it was so natural to you. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, I like I remember when we last caught up. You mentioned that when you were, when you got out, when you you when you were over it, you you were quite revered and respected, and they didn't really touch you. Do you feel that that was part of because of who you were? And I'm also curious as well. Well, not I guess curious as. My understanding is that when you get out, you don't get out unscathed. That's always been my understanding of that whole world. You yeah. don't ever really get out unscathed. Like, there's something taken or something will be given. And is that, is that fair to say? It's real common. It's really, it's really common, yeah. Um, so, when I, like, when I actually left, so I went from the drug dealing scene and then I ended up joining a club I um I kind of pushed my no I was hanging around clubs for a long time um made some cool connections made good friends in lots of clubs um and there were some clubs that I was closer to than others and then I picked a club that I felt was a bit of me mm. um I picked one that I felt wasn't too uh how can you say too loud they weren't too loud yeah, but yeah. they were still everybody knew the name yeah um and uh i went i went down that route and how old were you at this point i must have been around 24 years old i only spent about a year inside of club yeah, life yeah but um, prior to that there was a lot of groundwork yeah like i was hanging out a lot with a lot of different people yeah, yeah, yeah. um that were in clubs and um I seemed to like it more. There was a lot more respect, a lot more cold, hard respect. And I got to see um, it wasn't necessarily about working your way to the top. I mean, some of these guys, you know, it's either respect me. And if you don't respect me, I'll step on your toes until you do respect me. Mm -hmm. So I started to gather like, oh, you can actually force your way into this respect thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can force your way to the top of the ladder here. And, um, well, you know, not to the top of the ladder, but, up up yeah you can force your way up and so i liked that and i liked that image i liked um i liked how people would speak about these 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 guys with f fear on their tongue um that they would never say anything bad about these guys because they were afraid of what might happen um i liked the fact that um bills were always paid on time you know people would always make sure their bills were paid on time to these guys because of what may happen mm. if they didn't mm. and um <laughs> it's a, I just like it was a lot more of a, a a crunch line for me. Like, okay, this is this is what I think I want because this is what everybody's afraid to do, and um, they kind of they dance around the idea a little bit. Um, but if I can jump in, um, then the world will be my oyster a bit more, you know. Um, so I did that, and uh, spent some time in the club. Once I left, when I left, like you said, it was... Uh, um, can, can you share that? Like, obviously, as far as you can, but can you kind of share 
Yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, actually, a short time after I joined, I started to get like a what I would call a gut feeling, um, and that was that I I shouldn't be there. Prior to that, was that something? you had or is it something you started to realize mm. or, or, or was always there but you didn't really identify with it or you didn't realize what it was yeah i think i i always had it but i wasn't i wasn't tuned into it um i could always sense when i was in the wrong you know i, I was when something i wasn't doing something right but i was never um i guess in tune with it enough to listen to it and um, when I joined this world, it was almost like I had to grow like several more pairs of eyes because there were a lot more risks. Mm. And um, one of the risks I was very, very aware of was the risk of my life. <laughs> yeah. And um, this- Do you feel that other boys like had that too or that's probably just numbed out? They're just so used to it that it's kind of a hard question I understand because you can't really get into their mind, but you feel that was something that was kind of echoing in them or they're just so hardened, they're just so weathered by it that they just wouldn't even, wouldn't even dance with that idea. Mm, I think a lot of them, you know, like knowing them personally and getting quite close to a lot of them, a lot of them did have a massive intuition. Wow, and, interesting. Um, See, you don't, it, it, it's just funny because as much as that world, it's, it's, it's brutal, but I think we we demonize them so we're so quick to demonize mm, that when mm. we realize like well in a way that's their fucking path and they are still humans as ruthless as they are there mm. is still that potential of of that capacity to be able to perceive love and perceive empathy yeah. and to understand risk inherent risk yeah. that they're not just robots mm. they've actually got emotional capacity and they've got they've, they grapple probably I imagine with a, a mission that requires you know hard it's a hard mission and there's angst there there's fear there but that's still there it's not i don't necessarily just these cyborgs mm, yeah i would say like comparatively speaking to somebody who who's walked a fairly sheltered life they have um they have uh, a much much greater um tuned in level of love and a much, much greater tuned in level of fear. Wow. And like they're, they're far deeper on that spectrum, you know. Um, and uh, it can look like, um, it can look like a lot of um, nonsensical acts from a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them are in just such, such a pursuit for happiness that they, they can't see that they're chasing happiness. You know, the reason why they, why they make a big deal like what they might do a, a, a deal that has a lot to a risk on the line or the reason why some people might hold up a liquor store or why, um, why some, some guys will jump in front of a bullet for their friend, quite literally speaking. Um, it's because, because they're lost in this idea of trying to get something, trying to get something out of life, trying to, and, and we're all chasing that same thing. You know, these people are trying to chase something that's going to make them feel better, to make them feel good. So they're chasing a feeling. They just can't see that. It, you, you don't need to do it that way. That way, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I'm getting from that. I think, in a way, all humans are like that, eh? That we, we do inherently want to be happy. And we, we find ourselves in these situations where we think 
that that way is going to be that way and then it's in a way that's pretty pure but it's uh, yeah you know what i'm saying yeah it's It's always innocent man because you know like um in that world i made so many silly mistakes and um you know i hurt a lot of people people that i was close to friends i lost friends um i i hurt loved ones i hurt the parents of my friends i hurt so many people I hurt myself and you can say like these guys they they've got options and you know it's all on them and like they should have known better you can say that you can hold that easy to say that you can hold that opinion it's easy to say that about bypass in a way about anybody but it's more about um if that were the case, if there were an option in their mind, if there actually was a genuine option that they felt was reasonable, don't you think they would have chosen something yeah. with less risk? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's quite an obvious statement. The last time any normal person made a mistake and you try to hold uh, a prison sentence over their head because they made a mistake, I mean, the severity of the mistakes, is it, it, it varies, right? But a mistake is a mistake and we all make them and we make them to varying degrees only because at that point in time, it's all we know. Mm. You can't say someone who hits their child um, is at less of a risk from, I mean, sorry. You can't say someone that hits their child um, has made less of a, a mistake as someone driving drunk. Yes. You know what I mean? They're both mistakes. Yes. And um, if, if you knew what the outcome was before you did it, I'm sure you would have chosen something different, but you don't. And all all you've got is what you know at that time. And because we're so identified with our thoughts and we're so identified with trying to achieve happiness, trying to get there somehow, people people particularly in the underworld, um, like I said, they've got far more fear and far more love. They've got far more enthusiasm, you could say. So they give all of their enthusiasm to trying to get to this place. Mm. Um, But they're so fearful that if they stop, they'll never get there. Mm. And so they give everything they've got to this core belief of theirs, whether it's a club or whether it's like a massive drug ring or whatever, it's a, a, a prostitute, whatever it is. All of these people have got this conviction that this is their way forward. And if they knew better, I'm speaking on an experiential level, not on a concept in your head. It's easy to say, Oh, you know, that person could have put blue jeans on. Why did they wear red jeans today? Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, it happened how it happened, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, um, it's one yeah. of those things. Um, so I think um, we kind of ostracize those guys way too much. Yeah. All they are, they're the exact same as us. It's just that they're more enthusiastic about life. And certain decisions they made just got them to that position when really you could say, another person that makes a certain decision in a different way, it's almost the same thing, but it's just a slightly different outcome. That's right. But, well, in terms of what will happen, but they're all wanting the same outcome. Yeah. Like the person that's pursuing, like to be a, um, pursue homeopathy and are just so damn fucking motivated and possessed and passionate and energetic and loving in that pursuit. And then the same thing in that world, but so fucking lovingly passionate and energized and driven to pursue that world that that's where they're going. So they're almost the same, but it's the outcome that's different. Yeah, so true. And you've got like, let's say like um, the millionaire property developer with a nice family. You know, he's got the bougie everything and 
he forgets about his kids for 15 years. Yeah. You or know, the business owner that's multi-million corporation. Yeah. Neglects his wife, neglects his kids, neglects, maybe even neglects his health. Neglects everything. He, all for that pursuit. That's right. And where does the decision come from, right? It's like yeah. he can sit there and say, oh, you know, these gangsters, they've done it to themselves. Yeah. But he's got to point the same finger back at himself. Yeah. You know, you can't, it's, a, um, it's such an easy thing to do to look at someone else's decisions and go, you should have known better. Hmm. But when you were given the cards that they, that they had to yes, live with, yes. and let's say someone did make a terrible mistake, right? Let's say somebody gets killed. Let's say somebody kills another person and some, they were put in this position. You could, say, you could say they put themselves in this position or you could say their conditioning was the thing that led them there and they didn't understand how to get out from it. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, as cold and hard as it sounds, there's still a place of innocence. Every action from a human comes from some place of innocence. It's not knowing. Mm. It's not knowing how to be happy. It's not knowing how to um, feel fulfillment in life. And because of that, we're so desperate and we lose ourselves to this insane little thing in our head that it just it becomes corrupt. It becomes desperate and looks for a scapegoat at every left corner, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. It reminds me, have you seen the program Ozark? I haven't watched it, but I've seen it on, I've seen it advertised yeah, on Netflix, I'm, yeah. I just started watching it, I'm up to the fourth season now, well I watched, started watching it like a month and a half ago, and it, it's, it's so similar because basically it's about a, a family man that is a number cruncher, genius, really good at like accounting and doing the books. He essentially finds himself in a situation where he's laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel and it comes from a place of pure innocence, but it also comes from a place where he's just wanting the best for his family. Yeah, yeah. Yet, yet what he's doing is inherently wrong, you could say, but his intentions are so goddamn fucking pure. Mm. And throughout the program, you see he's constantly reckoning with that reality that, fuck, what have I got myself into? I'm so deep. Mm. Yet he realizes that while he's in it now, he must like pursue it, he must <laughs> yeah. continue because He's kind of got out. no option now because yeah. his whole family will be murdered. Nobody's ever there to give you a way out. Yeah. You'll yeah. never get that. Yeah. It's always got to come from seeing something. So speaking of the way out then, if we could go back to your way out as to... Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, man. And it's something like, again, this is not... This is something that kind of you've you've... I don't know. At the time when I got out, the thing that led me out, it, it, was a, it was a gut feeling. It was a gut feeling that I shouldn't be here and that I know I'm not this kind of person. There were some serious questions that I was beginning to ask myself in that world around, you know, like how much I value another human's life. And it got to a point where I, 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 I was starting to, like, I wasn't able to give myself solid answers. What did I care more about? My reputation? or another person's life. And it freaked me out a little bit to find out that I was at a point where I, I was questionable with mm. that. Like, what, like, surely. Like, that must have fucked with you, man. Like, big time, yeah. Like, it was kind of like uh, paranoia, yeah. um, violent attitude, all of it just, yeah. like, I had to embody the whole thing to be able to swim in, in that ocean. Um, but the gut feeling was always there, like, um, I don't know what it was, but it was just that I shouldn't be there. That's that's all that the gut feeling was kind of mm. telling me. Mm. 
and I ignored it and I ignored it and the the calls got so close man like I I should have wound up somewhere I should have wound up behind bars I should have wound up somewhere in a ditch a few times but I didn't and um uh, did that affirm it even more for you that fuck I, I it was getting louder getting louder yes it yeah. was getting louder yeah. and the the uh, the um, inter- the like the the things that I was witnessing were getting heavier and deeper and my fear fear levels were getting greater and the gut feeling was getting stronger and um, it got to a point where I looked at my I looked at my entire life one of the things that I'm so grateful for, one of my greatest blessings, and I'm sure a lot of parents hold the same value over their children, and that's my daughter was such a blessing to me at that point in time. Because as selfish as I was, you know, I was, I was after my own time, you know, I, was, I claimed that I loved my daughter. And I did, I did on a heart level, but not on a level where I would give everything for my daughter. Mm. And I remember I really wanted to give more time to her I didn't know how to without leaving club life behind mm. because I was dedicating like 99% of my time to the club and um, I had developed such a, a good um, reputation for myself inside of the club amongst my peers everybody liked me and I liked everybody mm. and um, uh, it was kind of like getting difficult for me to see how I could pull my time away from that world and give it back to my little one and I sat with that for a bit and I thought it's probably about time that I I leave literally that week when I um when I kind of like checked in with my gut and I made a decision I'm gonna I'm gonna put this forward to um the person that I'm kind of I guess underneath yeah um who and he he from our last discussion, he really respected you. He and did. Liked you. Yeah, he was a good friend. Yeah, yeah. he was a really good friend. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I made that decision, and that week, um, there were some events that happened, and a, a friend of mine ended up getting seriously injured and put into a coma. Um, it was a really graphic um, um, scene, and. My mind kind of, it lost itself in that a bit with guilt and with, um, it, became, it became like heavily loaded and um, a combination of wanting to leave to be with my daughter more and not being happy with the circumstances that my friend wound up in um, led me to just making the call, checking in with my gut and saying, I'm going, I'm, I don't care if I take a beating, I don't care if I... If I um, if if I'm, however I'm dealt to, I'll take it, and um, and so I decided like, to. What was that like, bro? I'm curious. Like, what what? Like, how do I how do I uh, like? Wh- the leaving process. Yeah, just just being able to accept the fact that you accept that oh, yeah. fact. Like, how 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 was that? How was that dealing um, with that? like it was it was somewhat liberating i guess at that point in time like i remember feeling like acceptance for whatever the probably the first time i felt acceptance real acceptance man not for myself but acceptance for a circumstance wow you know the first time i probably experienced accepting life 
was um, when it came time for me to face a decision to leave because mm. before that I was resisting the fact that I could get beaten up, resisting the fact that I'm, I'm going to lose all these friends, resisting the fact that I'm going to be looked upon as a piece of scum for yeah. leaving, you know? Yeah. Or imagine like they'll coward or Cow- pussy, yeah, all of that type all of those stuff. words. Everything yeah. that I had tried so hard to embody not being, yeah. all of mm. a sudden I would have to face being perceived as th- that yeah. the very thing I had tried to to um, to stay away from being yeah. um, and so then but this one moment and this one moment I was like okay here it is I'm gonna be perceived as this I'm gonna probably most likely get my ass whooped um, real bad and uh, I don't care how it happens um, but I'm just gonna have to I'll just have to take it all on the chin um, literally <laughs> quite literally yeah and so then I, um, I went to my friend um, who had a, a lot of, a lot of um, respect in not only in, in that club, but in amongst many other clubs. Uh, and very, very thankful for this, for this individual. Um, you confided in him first, correct? I, I did confide in yep. him first because I came in through this guy. Okay. And... Um, he respected my decision. He didn't want me to leave. He asked me not to, and he um, he he told me to leave on a break and to to think about coming back. Um, leave on a break. What do you mean, like go on, like leave? Like, leave, but like still, like, and I'm you gonna leave almost kind of thing. Nah, nah. Like, like you're you're leaving, yeah. and you know, like if you come back. It's going to be real hard in terms of like what you've got to do to prove yourself again. Okay. And normally that's a no-no. Like normally they don't do that. Yeah. But he was giving me this kind of like, wow, I'll option. hold the door open for you, man, wow. because I value you. And um, this is what I mean. Like he actually had real good friend morals. You know, mm. like if you were tight with him, I mean, good night if you weren't. Good luck on yeah. your life if you yeah. weren't tight with yeah. this man. Yeah. Scary dude. Yeah. But if you're tight with him, he was exactly like how he'll put his enemies away he'll hold on to his brothers forever, you know? Oh, and he's shit. good like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, See, it's another thing that I think um, through the movies and society will perceive that by these animals, these cyborgs, mm, you know? But nah, nah, there's a lot of love. Nah, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of love. love. There's, there's a, a more intense love, in fact. Um, like I said, a lot more fear. Like, they're more fearful of being perceived as being weak. They're more fearful of um, uh, being seen to be caught lacking or... To be um, to be low on the scale, um, but you know the same intensity with their love. Like they love their brothers, they love people that are really close to them. It's pretty. In- it's pretty intense. You can't. You, you'll never have a guy so happy to stand in front of a bullet for you the way that you were with a brother in a club. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. It's different. I mean, father and child, yeah, I'm sure you'll get something a little bit. Rugby field, I imagine. Too. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to fucking, I'm going to run it straight at this massive Samoan that's like six foot eight, 140 kilo, but I'm going to fucking run it straight at yeah. him because I know if I do, I'll either get taken out, but at least I'll be able to expose the ball and give it out to the back line, you know, for yeah, yeah, yeah. that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so he said, look, I respect your decision. Um, his moral, he was known in, in this group for, for prioritizing his own family, his kids. 
he was known for that and um, I respected him massively because of that and that was partly why I went to him okay and so he had this empathy for me um, and was like I, I got you like I understand it I'm gonna um, stand behind you at the table wow. and I'm gonna put it forward for you to leave on a good standing um, and so that's kind of that, rare. That, that in itself, yeah, I was about to say that's rare, eh? Yeah, from my experience. Yeah, yeah. from yeah. From my experience it is, yeah. Um, so um, I was lucky in that sense, lucky to uh, to get, I mean, I got scolded by them verbally, emotionally kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and what was I, that like? Well, I could understand where they were coming from yeah, because um, even though the words they were using were pretty harsh, I could see it was all coming from a place of feeling like, almost like disappointed in your child. Yeah. You know course, what I mean? Of course. Like when you tell your child off because they've let you down, they've made a silly decision. Um, this was their way of expressing their frustration yes. and their letdown. Yep. They didn't know how else to do it. Yep. And um, so it wasn't, I didn't receive the words like you pussy, you scumbag. I didn't receive that as like, oh no, you know, I didn't receive it that way. I received it more like, man, like these guys, they did care. You know, they really did care about me. Um, there are a couple of people who were really starting to show fondness, I guess, of my character at that point in time who were, um, who were really, really upset. So, um, but when I left, I remember leaving. So this is that, was it a night? This, this is the night? This was the night, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. And, um, the, and that, that guy, that top dog, he's behind you? He was standing behind yep. me as if to say like, Nobody touches this guy. Um, and I kind of was, I wasn't super aware of what was going on. I was prepared to have them all like jump me. Yeah. Um, By that, do you mean you weren't aware that the bro behind you was actually kind of being like a shield in a way? I wasn't aware, but I got that. Once I had left, I understood what he did. Yeah. Um, I was more sort of just like, my eyes were all over the room just waiting to sort of have someone bro. jump out. Yeah. And then once I left the club unscathed, like nobody touched me, I was like, okay, sweet. Well, I'm walking down this driveway and all the prospects were outside. Now the prospects are the ones you want to look out for. They're the ones who are a little bit more silly, a little bit more gung-ho. They've got a point to prove. And so they'll go way more handy on you than a club member. Yeah. Um, yeah. Within reason, you know what of I mean? Of course. If, if it's something small like this and they want to have someone prove a point it'll be up to a prospect and so i'm in my head i'm thinking like okay all the brothers outside um i'm surely going to hear some footsteps coming up behind me soon so i was prepared to sort of belt back but um i got down to the very end of the driveway where my car was no footsteps couldn't hear anybody uh, i noticed my shoulders relaxed a little bit hopped in my car i remember checking in my rear vision mirror on the way home like is this really like i've left and i've left and i'm out and I'm, I haven't been touched. I haven't been um, hurt the way that I thought I potentially would be. And um, uh, I got home and I remember like sitting on the couch and this massive like relief, this massive weight off my shoulders hit me and I was like, I can like, I can live. I'm, I'm in a normal life. Like there's not, now I don't have to worry about the other clubs. I don't have to worry about um, <laughs> particular people in my own club. Uh, I don't have to worry about, um, uh, I, I mean, I can, I can cut all the bullshit out. I can get away from, you know, dealing with heavy shit. I can get away with, um, I can get away from 
dealing with heavy shit. I can get away from, um, uh, you know, circumstances like um, holding on to a gat or um, passing passing those things around where you, <laughs> you know, you just don't know what might happen. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like wondering. Like, how did you how did you slowly assimilate back in? What was like your first kind of approach? Yeah, to man. Start assimilating. Back it was into funny. Normality? It was pretty immediate, man. Like I knew. I knew once I left, I knew why I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave because I wanted to give myself a better shot. Yeah. I didn't want to fall into um, the underworld and leave through the underworld as well. Yeah. So I, 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 came, I came to my senses of um, like, if I leave, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to support my daughter. And so that I- That was your priority. That was my priority, yeah. Um, so I left, I got How a job. How old was your daughter at that time? Oh, really young. She was maybe a year old. Wow. Yeah, maybe a year old, maybe a little bit older. Um, so I left, I went for a job interview and this... What was, the, what was that like? like? Going for a job interview? <laughs> yeah, you know. It was easy, man. Like, Because yeah. um, <laughs> it felt weird going into a job interview because like, I knew the world I had just come from, but they <laughs> yeah, didn't. That's, that's the thing. That's why I'm like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. You just had a job interview in probably like a more common ramen office space and you were... They hit the table and it's someone, it's the boss interviewing you. It's like, well, fuck. Yeah. This is easy now. Yeah, it was super easy. Yeah. All you had to do was show a smile and be friendly. And <laughs> I got the job anyway. What was it? Um, it was a sales consultant job for a um, friggin' for a mailing company. Um, I forget the name of the company. DX yeah. Mail, some business mailing. They sorted mail, mail packages out for companies, business mail. Um, and I was the, the sales rep for it. Um, terrible job and um and uh but that day that day you know i still had i still had all these demons inside of me about my reputation i i i felt um i still felt like i couldn't i couldn't look i didn't want to lose yeah. this was the feeling i had and i remember after the job interview i was like on a good buzz um, I remember I got dressed out of the suit that I was in into comfortable clothes because I hate wearing suits. And I rocked up at a gas station and there were a bunch of road workers who pulled in in a truck, maybe like four or five of them. And um, because I'm a bit bigger than your normal person, and back then I was even bigger because um, I was juiced up to my eyeballs, um, a lot of people looked at me because, um, you know, bodybuilders are interesting to look at. Yeah. But being in that world, I had developed this almost this um, this uh, paranoid sense of if another male looks at me in the eyes and I don't challenge him back because I perceive that as a challenge every single time, then I'm losing. And mm -hmm. uh, this this got me into like road rage cycles, like hopping out in the middle of a... I remember one time I stopped my car on the motorway because... A guy was looking at me while I was driving on the side, and I lost my, I lost my shit because I felt like if I don't retaliate and make myself appear to be scarier than he is, I've lost. You lose. So you yeah. do stupid shit like stopping in the middle of a motorway. Holy fuck! Dumb stuff. Really, really dumb stuff. Anyway, I was at this gas station, and these guys were looking at me. They had their shades on and everything, and I was confronted with the sense of like. I can't lose, I can't lose to these guys, this thing that was there, but this time I was aware of it, I was conscious that it was there, and I knew that this thing was 
like a, it, it was weighing me down. And um, so I decided like, right, if there's one thing I can do right now, what can I do that's different instead of hopping out my car and feeling like I've got to be on the defense, yeah. you know? And um, so this thing just came through my mind within that moment and it was like, just hop out and if they're looking at you, look at them and smile. And so I was like, okay, all right, I'll do this. So I filled my car up. I had my head down. I wasn't looking at them. Um, I filled my car up. But then the moment I went to walk towards the gas station where they were parked, they were all staring at me. I remember feeling in my heart, my heart beating because I'm like, I'm, I'm going to spaz out right now. Like I don't want to lose. I'm going to, I'm going to have like an angry episode and, um, uh, and try to scare them. And then instead of instead of engaging with that way of thinking, I just busted an awkward smile out. And all of them complimented me on my muscles in that moment. All of them complimented me, sure, bro, and um, how much do you bench press and all of this kind of stuff was coming out. And it shocked me because I'd never given humanity a chance to interact with me on that level before while I was in that world. And um, it made me happy. I was kind of like, far, that was cool. I, I, I liked that. And even to this day, it's something that I like to do. I know if, um, if, I'm in a, if I'm in a place and even if there's a guy that I cross with colors on, because still I have a little bit of muscle to me, um, it's a, I don't know, it can be perceived as some, some form of a mental threat. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Especially um, another male that's, yeah. you know. Sizey as well. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, it's a natural 100%. thing. Got yeah. tats, got size. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I get... I get eyeballs um, a little bit here and there still, but I love smiling at people. I love smiling at people like that because it's so contagious to the point where they don't know what's happened to them and they look confused when I smile. It's like I smile, I wave, and they, for some reason, they can't help but smile back. Yeah. And it's like the most beautiful thing to give somebody a break from their own inner commentary about yeah. how they need to be perceived, you know? Yeah. 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 Fascinating. It's it's so interesting. Like, yeah, I could you could you, we could just talk about this for ages, eh? I got I got a question. It's it's a bit of a. I feel like I'm projecting a bit, but I'm curious as to what you say. Um, for anyone listening, that's in that well, that's in was in that similar world, the past world. Um, you're once in. What's something you wish you heard when you're in that world, or didn't wish you heard? But needed to hear. Mm. See what I'm projecting a bit. But yeah, no, no, they're good. Good question. Because I guess for you, it was you more had the intuition, but I can't help but think those other brothers will definitely have the intuition. They do. They you do know? have it. Yeah. yeah, they do have it. It's just that it's 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 um you know when I had the intuition when I felt like it was wrong and I wasn't listening to it. Like, I know the intuition was there now because it was there. Like, and, and, and it wasn't that I couldn't feel it. I could feel it. But I wasn't, I wasn't yet accustomed to functioning, to navigating from my intuition to what felt right. Instead, I was, like, more um, focused on f um, um, functioning from um, a place of I felt like I needed things, you know? So if I could give any advice to anybody that may be in a similar way, in a similar circle or whatever, if you have an intuition and the intuition is, is, it could just be a feeling of this is wrong 
all you have to do is just to give a little bit of conscious attention to it. I'm not saying act on it. I'm mm. not saying do anything like that. It, and don't don't be reckless with it, but pay attention to it. Just place your attention on it, and the more you give your attention to it, the more clearly it will speak to you, and it will give you directions. Um, and f from from my experience of um, you know learning to navigate with my intuition, I've learned ever since that moment that your intuition is never wrong, ever. Not one time is it ever wrong. It can be an intuition for you to make a decision on buying something, and if you don't listen to that, you'll find out the hard way. It can be an intuition for you to um, not choose a particular partner, and I've gone down that route too, where I didn't listen to my intuition, um, and I know my intuition was screaming at me not to, um, uh, not to engage with this female the way that I did, in terms of like you know um, um, dating her and becoming her boyfriend for over a year, and it was the most miserable experience of my one of the most miserable experiences of my life in relation to relationships. But the moment you can listen to it and you can put aside the things you um, compulsively want, you know things like money, things like um, 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 status, mm. things like uh, um, f you know physical things. Mm then if you can just pay more attention to your intuition and just let it just walk you slowly down down its own little path, you'll find yourself in um, a place which is uncomparable. If you look at my life now and you look at my life back then, I wouldn't even recognize myself. Mm. In fact, I would look at myself and I would want to give myself a hug. It's mm. like I, I can't... It's almost as if the two worlds, like they're two, se two totally separate realities, two totally different people. One, learn, one listens and navigates through intuition and experiences love and experiences goodness and fulfillment and um, has a lot to give back to people. Mm. And the other functions from what he desires and he's compulsive and he takes from everybody. And so he's got nothing to give. Mm. And so, um, uh, yeah, one is lost and one is perfectly okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the extending on from it, when you're in it, you've kind of already answered it. Um, but I'm still curious as to have it like refined as like, what do you in that world? What do you think your why was? And what do you think the boys is why's why? was for being in that yeah a their why a purpose you know? purpose say. Yeah. it is say. it's a purpose and if and it's two things one is a purpose they that this is the they they're identifying with this world as their purpose this is their identification they are this person and if they lose that then who the heck are they mm. you know where's yeah. the value in life yeah. if they they and and we don't as humans we don't explore a potential of losing that idea of a purpose, you know, but sometimes to lose your entire purpose means you align with just being now and this moment is the purpose, you know, to be present with life, it's such a loving act unto itself, it's, that, is, that is the greatest purpose in life, mm. is just, just to experience like the miracle of, a, mm. of, of any moment, a tree, a person speaking to you, there's just so much goodness in, in 
in every moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So in a way, that they're, they're being so fucking pure because they're literally pursuing their purpose. They're literally pursuing they their purpose. They believe they which are. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. believe they are, which yeah. is fucking, I think, is at least a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's painful because, you know, these guys suffer more than anybody else. Yeah. They're, they I could suffer. imagine. I could imagine. The amount of gangsters that commit suicide, Fuck. that just don't, they can't do it, they don't make it. They, they suffer massively. They th- and they probably think there's not a way out. Like, you had that intuit call that they probably think that, nah, nah. It's not a nah, way out. Nah, I couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Too fearful. Mm. Yeah. What, um, what does love mean to you? Like, what is love? What do you think love is? Not even mm. what do you think love is. What is love? I, I think um, love is the open embrace to everything. It's just this... It's not something that another human does. It's something that underneath the human being, it already is. And so love is just the, the already accepting quality of life, which accepts everybody's decisions the way that they come out. Mm. That's what I believe. Beautiful. You know, that's what I experience. And so as you went forth in that and you got out and you got that job interview, what was next? What, how did you... It, it sounded like you already did kind of like you, you assimilated quite well, like from that interview, it was, it, was, it was easy for you. So I'm curious as to how that progressed. And then you, I'd like to hear about the nutrition. <clears throat> when you went down that nutrition route and you had a pretty successful business there. Mm. And then how you got out of that too, in a way, mm. which I found fucking, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. You were like earning good money, you got yeah. out. Yeah. Like that in itself is like almost equivalent to getting out at the clubs too <laughs> yeah yeah you know? yeah you're losing your identity yeah. Again, yeah fuck yeah yeah it's so funny yeah i went down um had jobs um sales jobs it was what i did um call centers and business to business sales and stuff like that um <laughs> because that's all i knew i knew how to sell drugs you know <laughs> so i was kind of <laughs> like fuck i don't know anything else <laughs> but then i kind of um i aligned with um you know something that i loved which was my training I thought, oh, um, everybody's always asking me for advice. What if I start charging? I started noticing a lot of my friends that were doing it from the bodybuilding scene and they were making a decent living and they had cool lifestyle. So I got qualified, um, started my own business as a personal trainer, became really, really successful. In fact, I became one of the busiest trainers on the North Shore. Wow. In that, in that pursuit, I, um, I came across a man who became my mentor. Uh, his name's Steve Paps. Yeah. And... Um, he started to coach me around like things like the law of attraction and manifestation. And mm. I got really, really um, deep into that. I uh, manifested myself into an amazing position as a trainer. Uh, I got sick of training and then manifested my way into um, um, running a six-figure um, business as a nutritionist. Um, had like a real what nice... was the market as well? I remember there was a very... It was a niche market, right? Was yeah, it, like... it, w- it was like a... Um, I did some work in a ketosis clinic and um, using body composition tools and stuff. I did a lot of work with Steve Paps himself while he was a nutritionist. Yeah. And um, yeah, the market was just pretty much just overweight people. But mm. but I um, I had a bit more of a holistic approach in terms of delivering my nutrition strategies. Yeah. Just because it made people feel better. You, you um, feel that's what separated you to the fact that you're approaching yeah. in a holistic sense. Yeah, and I guess giving a bit more of, um, I cared more about my plans than the next trainer. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I cared more about their results within that moment. 
um, uh, then the next trainer, you know, who, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of trainers would just write a meal plan to get 60 bucks. Yeah, of course. Whereas I was charging like 850 bucks and I really cared about the plan, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, so I went down that route, um, enjoyed my time there. That gave me an amazing lifestyle. Again, I've always had plenty of time no matter what I do, whether it's drug dealing, whether <laughs> it's a PT or a nutritionist. Um, I've always had time and that's probably one of my greatest wealths is that I've just got this inherent belief that I have time. So I always experience that. Um, and I'm never super busy. Yeah. I'm not like, I don't pride my, a lot of people pride themselves on, I've got a busy life. I really don't. Yeah. There's moments where I get busy yeah, and um, I've never had, never held that above myself of, as being a busy individual. Yeah. I've, I've always had loads of time. But, um, but I, uh, I went down the manifesting route and I pushed myself down that. I got to a point though where I was getting money, I had a nice car, um, I had a wonderful reputation, and still there was this emptiness behind everything. Like there was just some, some void that wasn't being filled and it felt like I was back in the pursuit. I was chasing mm. status, I was chasing the money, I was chasing the same shit, but in a world that wouldn't shoot you dead, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and when I started to see that, I was kind of like, what the heck is the point? You know, when is this grind going to stop? Um, and at that point, even though I had lots of time, I wasn't um, like, I wasn't conscious of it. I was lazy. Mm. So I was kind of like, you know, I can't be fucked doing anything today. Yeah. I wasn't, it was less of more like, I love my time like I do now. And it was more like, I can't be bothered doing anything. Mm. So I always had the time to not be bothered to do things, you know? Um, so... Uh, um, that kind of sat with me. It became this this internal thing where I um I would look at my life as just this grind, and I was like, I started to ask myself, surely there's got to be more to this whole thing. There's got to be more. Um, and I remember walking home. I had lost my license for like the sixth or seventh time, um, and I was walking home from the gym, walking up this massive hill. And this one day, I really didn't feel like walking up this hill, and I had convinced myself that I was a really, really positive individual at this point in time. I'd done a lot of internal work. I was do, doing the law of attraction stuff, manifesting my life of the dream of my, the um, life of my dreams. And, and I thought I was a positive person, you know, as so I was walking up this hill, but I really didn't fucking want to do it on this one day. And I, all of a sudden I could hear my inner commentary. I could hear my thoughts about all of the things that I thought wrong and my thought were wrong in my life. And it buzzed me out. Like I was kind of like, hold on a moment. Whoa. Like I was really not aware that I thought the way that I'm thinking because I'm hearing what I'm thinking right now. All of a sudden I was conscious of what was going on inside of my head. And I was kind of like, what the heck? There's all of this in here. Um, and Why I was it at that? Why was it at, like prior to that was, was it something you just didn't identify with or, or was there, but you weren't just kind of tapped into it. And That's in that it. moment you just happened to hit you somehow, like a wave. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it was always there. Like I had convinced myself, I had probably that same intuition, eh? As to, I don't know, man. It was a little bit more of like a. I know I was. If I can recall the situation, I was feeling like over it, and in one sense, I guess in my head, I was just like somehow pointlessly looking for a way out, yeah. and. I don't know what you'd call that, but something happened where 
I became really, really aware of all of these thoughts that had been there for a long time, like life is hard, um, I don't want to do this, resisting each moment, um, feeling like I needed money to be happy, um, it's crap that I don't have my license, uh, I've got to go to work in the morning. All of these thoughts started to become like really, really clear that I was actually having the thoughts Whereas before I was living them, so I wasn't really aware of them. You know mm, what I mean? I was yeah, just being course, directed by them. Of course. Just kind of moving through life as a thought, as my thoughts. And um, in this moment, I remember seeing them. And because I was seeing them, there was this massive space between, um, between myself and my thoughts. Yep. And it was almost like my thoughts were held out at arm's length for me to see. Mm. And I was like reading them like they were on a, seeing them like they were words on a page. And I was like, holy shit. And in that moment of them being, um, how can I say, in that moment of me being less identified with them, of seeing them instead of being in them, uh, there was something that happened where um, because I could see my thoughts, I wasn't attached to them, I wasn't identified with them, and so I was free from them. And in this moment, I felt such bliss, this feeling that I had never experienced ever before. And it was this intense presence within, this, within the moment. And I remember looking to my left and there was a little baby tree growing with the little supporting posts. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. And yeah. even the thoughts that I had about that tree, instead of being experienced, instead of me experiencing the thought, this is a tree, I saw the thought. And so the thought wasn't directing my experience of seeing this tree. So the tree became this alien expression. It was just this labelless expression of life kind of reaching up into the sky. Um, and then I remember turning around and looking at this magnificent view and all of life was there as this massive alien experience. And whatever thoughts I had about it <coughs> were totally separated, totally separated from mm. the experience. So I was, um, I was, truly seeing life for the very first time without the thoughts. Yeah. And um, that, that experience lasted for like three or four months. Wow. Um, I, I, I just felt so blissful, so peaceful. Um, I had no idea what had happened to me. All I knew was that I was in the best place of my life. You could have taken anything from me and I would have been fine. And, um, uh, and then one day I woke up. Even your muscles? anything nah. i wasn't training then because okay. i didn't need to i felt so good oh wow like i didn't need to feel better yeah everything was done like i wasn't it was it was bizarre it was like um not how i'm not used to functioning um i wasn't eating all that often because like i was feeling good you know i didn't need to eat to feel better mm. so um it was an interesting experience and then one day i woke up and my thoughts were back and I had a bill and I lost myself in the thoughts again. So then I had to research, you know, what just happened. I looked into, you know, these things. Um, people were suggesting um, 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 awakening. I came across people like Eckhart Tolle and Adi Ashanti and, um, and Rupert Spera, Muji, and started to um, become quite fascinated with this pursuit of, um, <laughs> of enlightenment yeah. and um, yeah. of, of this awakening experience. And so I, I pursued the... Uh, the route of, you know, the spiritual route of enlightenment as relentlessly as I did with my bodybuilding, yeah, yeah. with my gangster yeah. life. I did the same thing. I had fully thing, identified with it. Yep. Um, and uh, um, that's, the, that's the funny bliss of that day eh, when you, 
because I, I obviously different wasn't in that world, but I had a similar moment. It was around 2014, 2015, where I was like almost addicted to wanting to be enlightened. Yeah, yeah, me too. It became like a possession. Yeah, like, yeah. If I didn't meditate, then I wasn't. If I wasn't meditating <laughs> yeah. twice a day, if I wasn't reacting to people that made me angry, yeah. then oh, I'm not there. And I became so possessed by mm. that label, mm. by that pursuit. Mm. And then I realized, like, oh, that pure pursuit, that pure obsession, is taking me away yeah, from, from that. Um, from when actually, thing. when actually, yeah. I've just got to see that I'm getting attracted yeah. to it, but not be identified yeah. by that. Yeah. So it's kind of like when I, how you said about the thoughts. I think people forget thoughts is like a sense. Like mm. we've, got, we've got touch, we've got smell, you know, mm. we've got sight, mm. Mm. you know, all those. We've got organic, kinesthetic, how we perceive things internally, how we perceive things as they're moving in mm. motion. Mm. 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 But for whatever reason, we've, we've trained, and I guess for evolution, our brain wants to, our, our, our organism, this, this multicellular organism to continue to live. Mm. So therefore, they think that the mind thinks a thought needs to be its main anchor when not, nah, it's just a sense. Mm. But we've trained ourselves and been taught and conditioned to think that the thought is us, but not, nah, it's just a sense. That's a, yeah, that's exactly yeah. it, man. Yeah, and we've so identified with every thought that cross our, crosses our path. Even the most fucked up thoughts were like, oh, I'm fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Nah, man, <laughs> that's like just your thoughts. Yeah. That's just your thoughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, and it's the funniest thing when you realize that. <laughs> And then you go to these like, ridiculous thoughts dancing around and it's quite funny to see them all. <laughs> the, the times I find that the most intense is when I'm in a deep meditation and there's some shit coming <laughs> yeah. up. I'm like, whoa. But then I'm like, ah, here we are. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. They're doing what they're supposed they're to do. They're doing what they're supposed to yeah. do. Like, Take me I seriously. It, yeah, yeah, I think it's a pipe dream to think that. Like, I think uh, on the flip side, when we're pursuing that path of the enlightenment let's say that we become possessed by wanting it to our, our brain to just be still and it's like nah it's mm. a, it's a it's a it's an ocean mm. an ocean is crashing an ocean is still an ocean is in like a fucking storm but it mm. still remains the ocean mm. but we get identified by what the ocean is expressing but it's still the ocean yeah it's still the ocean yeah yeah, yeah we become a little bit like oh there's a cool wave but we missed the whole story underneath <laughs> yeah, it all yeah, you know? yeah, yeah all yeah. of that depth yeah, yeah, man, that's so funny. Yeah, it is. With, with, um, when you started finding like Eckhart Tolle and finding um, what uh, Adi Ashanti, yeah. was that kind of like a real like, whoa, that okay? I'm yeah. kind of ah, yeah. It did a lot for that. me in the sense of like it start like uh, Eckhart Tolle first. His stuff just started to make sense. It was kind of like right. So this was the experience that I had. Um. And then I found myself pursuing his teachings because I, I was resisting the experiences that I was having. You know, I didn't want to experience frustration or I didn't want to experience being sad. So I would resist it. And so I'd become obsessed with Eckhart Tolle's teachings. And then I found um, Adya shortly after that, who was more kind of rooted in post-awakening. So like once you had already awakened, like gone through an awakening experience, his teachings seem to be more focused around the disorientation that comes, the misperceptions that you can gather from it. And I loved his clarity. I love Arja's teachings. He's probably my favorite spiritual teacher because he's got this wonderful focal point helping people to navigate post-awakening. Um, 
and uh, and I actually met Adya several times online. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so um, I've had some direct teachings from Adya, and I've had um, uh, actually quite a number of teachings from Adya's wife Mukti um, over the phone, and uh, um, they were they played a, a massive massive role in the unfolding experience. Um, uh, still up until this point, I love I love listening to a little bit of Adya and and reading his quotes and things like <coughs> that. And um, uh, it got me to a point where um, I was looking at my business and nutrition and feeling unfulfilled with it. And the same intuition came about, and the only thing that my intuition was telling at this time at this point in time, I'm quite sensitive to my to my intuition because I'd been learning to listen to it more and um, it, all it was telling me was that I needed to let go of my business and um, that was the only thing it gave me and it was kind of like okay well you're and this not was a six-figure business folks yeah and, and I, I had watch in itself that's that's fucking hard yeah and I had a lot of um, I had Give a lot yeah, I had like a lot of business debt too, you know, like um, actually it was more, I did, because it was like my first time running like a proper business, I, I was doing things like really um, innocently newbie and like I bought things for my business but under my, I was totally just, I had no idea what I was doing so I bought like my car thinking I'd got it through the company but I got it through a personal loan and um, hmm. I didn't really understand the difference between the two. Okay. And I wasn't. I didn't have very much guidance in that aspect. Yeah. So I made all of these big financial commitments, and then my intuition's telling me to let it all go. And what was uh, that like? Man, that was that. that was for me. That was like harder than leaving Fuck. club life. It was harder wow. because so that kind of almost primed you, prepped you for that moment. Yeah. And then way. when I when I like I tried to. I remember going through it with this intuition, and the sensation it was giving me was like when I wasn't listening to it it was almost physically sickening. Like it was almost like squeezing your stomach out like a rag. Like my, my stomach was in knots because I wasn't listening to it. I was continuing to focus on my business. And so I finally got sick of this sensation in my gut and I said, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna bargain with you. I'll bargain, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave half of the job. You know, I'll keep enough finances in to, to keep the car, to keep um, this, that and the other thing. No, it wasn't enough. So the intuition continued to squeeze my guts out. And I continued to try to bargain with it for about a week until I got to the end of the week and I had nothing left. I couldn't actually argue with it. So I just had to give up. I surrendered everything. I stopped in that moment. I went through like a week's worth of depression because again, if I'm not a nutritionist, if I'm not a personal trainer, then who the heck am I? I'm obviously not enlightened because I'm, I'm, I'm suffering right now. So if I'm not enlightened, who the heck am I? And um, what the heck is the purpose in this whole thing? Um, and that at the end of that cycle of letting it go, um, another, there was, I don't know what you'd call it, another, a deeper, a, again, a different, a deeper sense of an awakening occurred where there was um, a seeing of the resistance and also an embracing of it. So instead of just going through my resistance and using all of these spiritual techniques to get around resistance, there was no technique. It was just a total embrace of all res 
of everything, including resistance. And um, and it was a, it was the next lesson. It was the next thing to learn how to embody was just this um, this this quality of life, which is always an acceptance of everything, mm. and just embodying that. And um, that became the next challenge. Mm. And it also became the next thing that I identified with. <laughs> so back in the, the identification bliss, the bliss. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you said a word, suffering. I'm quite. <sighs> Life itself, in my experience and my um, understanding, maybe naively, I think suffering it's it's part of life. I think you can't. It, it's it's a part of life. Mm. It's, and I think it's inevitable too. Mm. People die, get hit by a car, we lose our job. Multitude of things, shit going on in the world. That 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 um that massive earthquake that's affecting Tonga, that's suffering. Mm. We tend to want to avert so much from it, but it seems part and parcel of life. Mm. I'm curious what what suffering is to you, and how you kind of reconcile, not even reconcile, how you kind of. Roll with the punches, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Suffering is like one of the greatest gifts we have, I recommend. It's, um, I fucking agree. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's, uh, you're right, it's inevitable for everybody. It's inevitable. You, you, no human will go through their life and not suffer. Yeah. It's a part of the package and it's a part of the blessing of being a human because um, it's this funny little game that's played, you know, like, you resist what is, you suffer, up until the point you realise that you don't need to resist things being, feeling um, uneasy. Mm. You know, like suffering is the resistance to uneasy circumstances or situations or thoughts or feelings or whatever. You don't need to resist them. Like you can allow your your uneasy feelings, you can allow your sadness, you can allow your your anger, you can allow all of these things in. And it's like the moment you fully embrace and you're willing to encounter those parts of yourself, mm. that freedom from suffering is the bit that occurs and that's where the value is. It's like the embracing your own suffering is the freedom from it. Mm, yeah. It's such a paradox. It's such a paradox. Yeah. That's that's something for me why I've got, I'm so attracted to long distance running is I feel it's... <coughs> And I've got my first ultra marathon happening next month, uh, 55Ks. People will hear that and they're like, oh, oh. It's, it's all relative, right? Mm. Reason I pursue is because just that fact that I am going forth in something, there's an end point, but between the start and the end point is going to be this perpetual, long-winded, painful, long process of suffering. And there's something about that that I like about that that form of um, stepping into suffering is I think it's so necessary and it, I think it's, it's fine, people trying to find your own form of suffering. For some, it could be going into a hot yoga class. Yeah, 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 yeah. For some, it could <laughs> even be encountering your boss to ask for a pay rise. Yeah, yeah. Some, it could be going to your missus and having that hard conversation where you realize, fuck, babe, this ain't working. Mm. And yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Again, was sold that 
to be happy, it's not suffering, but I think to suffer is to be happy, mm. almost. Mm. So true, man. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't know happiness if you didn't suffer anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's so so counterintuitive, eh, to yeah, what, it is. what's said out there. And that's why, folks listening, those names you said, Muji, Eckhart Tolle, I, I'm, I'm personally really drawn to Baba Ram Das. Ram Das. He, he yeah, left us in 2020. Amazing, amazing teacher. And um, Adi Ashanti, the, all these amazing teachers, uh, you know, even, even um, Buddha, mm. like the teachings of Gautama mm. Buddha, like all, all these great teachers, they all have that same direct kind of core message that life is suffering. Mm. And the moment that we identify with it is the moment that there's going to be more, more pain than it needs to mm. be, I think. Mm. Whereas the moment we can uh, like allow it, and accept it yeah. is the moment that yeah. we, the suffering doesn't necessarily end, but you realize that it's just part of the process. Yeah, yeah, it, you, yeah, it's like you, the moment you have that willingness to encounter it, it's, it's, it's the, 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 the edge of the knife is totally blunted and you have the experience, but the experience carries then a depth and a level of peace behind it. Yeah. And then it's beautiful. It's not something that you, you don't suffer the, the, the emotion mm. it's like there's a depth to it there's a reason for it there's a there's a there's a newness to it like a flavor you know mm. yeah. yeah some new spices eh? yeah some yeah. new herbs yeah um so i'm keen to hear now with this this workshop coming up as to where where's where that going and like even just to hear about it for the listeners if they're keen to kind of tap in because i feel now hearing the story there's more depth to you now in yeah. a way and what you're offering people you know yeah, not, to, yeah. not to put too much weight on you but you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah man yeah so um so the workshop how to fall in love with life yeah so it's um it's really just about um first of all the process of seeing your thoughts the process of starting to become aware of your thoughts um, and seeing how the, the parts in life that um, tie us down to, um, you know, stress, negative emotions, um, pain and suffering is all linked intrinsically to, first of all, identifying with those thoughts and those emotions, and then secondly, th that process of resisting. And so then it's taking just, it's really, it's just a workshop on exploring what would happen if we open up a little bit more to life. Mm. If we open up a little bit more to... Um, Is that like, could you say part of that's being more vulnerable to it too? Definitely, yeah. definitely a big part of it. Excuse me. <laughs> um, so a big part of it will be having a look at, um, yeah, like you said, being more vulnerable to, to yourself. Have, having this willingness to um, hold this question mark, like what what would happen if I just let myself experience what I'm having right now, you know? Yeah. Having a bit more of an inquisitive, questionative kind of approach to life. Yeah. And in that process, um, seeing that your thoughts, seeing that your thoughts are just thoughts and seeing that it's um, a sense. It's a sense. Yeah, it's just another 
um, what does Ajia call it? It's another um, force of nature. <laughs> just like the wind perfect, and the sun, perfect, it's just a force perfect. of nature. And um, and then through embracing, like you said, becoming vulnerable and encountering these parts in life that we typically resist, starting to embrace them, starting to open to them a little bit more, and then seeing how through that, peace is already here. It's not in the next moment. It's not in the moment we're trying to get to. Yeah. It's not in that moment that we think if we can just get this next yeah. bit done, yeah. then I'll feel more peaceful or then I'll be happy. It's right here and it's always right in front of us. And so just getting the workshop will have just a focal point around people just starting to touch on that. Mm. Yeah. How, how can people find, find the the link seminar. yeah yeah um, link. so i'm um, i'm on facebook um joshua roland styles great um or on instagram you can i'm jo i just have a personal page on that one joshua roland styles as well great i'll share that i'll share the link in the cool. bio in the yeah, awesome man. in the notes for this okay. yeah um well josh like quite frankly the, the, i think this is the longest official podcast i've done which is cool cool, cool. man time flies yeah yeah you know? um <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like, yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And I, I can't help but think I'm sure some people will get something away from this. And is there kind of anything that you would like to end on for those listening? No, nah, man, the only thing I'm going to leave on is like, if, you have a, if you're having a gut, a gut feeling, if you have a gut pull or emotion, intuition for anything in life, just pay more attention to it. You don't necessarily have to walk with it. Just, just put a little bit more attention on it, and it'll give itself m more of itself to you. Yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, thanks, cool, brother. Man. Yeah. Thanks, sweet. folks, for tuning in, and yeah, plenty more to come. And um, yeah, I look for. I'll come to this these workshops. I'd love it. It sounds amazing. And how to fall in love with life? I think that's a question that a lot of people should ask. Mm. How do we fall in love with mm. life? Because mm. I think we think we're in love yes, with life. exactly right. I yeah. thought I was for so long yeah. until you realize you're not. Yeah. <laughs> until, you, until when you have the experience of actually falling in love with life, you see how your whole life was a big charade, you know, and then, then you, you love life. Then you love it. Then you embrace it. Thank you so much for having me too, man. Yeah, by yeah the way. no, I really appreciate it, bro. And plenty more to come, I think. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes from this and from your journey, bro. And fuck, let's get it, brother. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks, man. Bless. How was that, people? Man, when look, listening back to it, I was so happy with how it came together and how compelling and engaging and articulate and clear Josh was on his journey and how he was able to surmise what it was that he was navigating and the internal conflicts and his own intuition and how he was able to convey that. I really hope you listeners got something from that. I, I really got a lot from that conversation after listening to it multiple times. I was really happy with how Josh shared with such transparency and honesty and for the valuable life lesson that we took from that. You know, if just to kind of echo what he said, if there is that intuition, 
Don't go out doing something brash, drastic, extreme. Just listen to it. It may just be a little step that's needed to be taken, but just start there. Start listening and and seeking out that intuition and maybe asking why that's arising. What is it in me that's causing this discomfort? What is it in me that is causing me to be want to go out and talk to that person or take that job? There's something there. And sometimes our intuition is so loud, but we're so dictated by our thoughts and the thinking mind. So if we can learn to switch that off and let the intuition speak louder and lead us, guide us, there's a lot that can potentially unfold. And we heard that in Josh's journey. Imagine if he didn't listen to that intuition. We probably wouldn't have had this conversation. So one decision can make all the difference in anyone's life. And sometimes that decision is led by our intuition. So maybe let's, let's tap into that some more. But anyway, I was so happy to be able to share this episode. Uh, I've got a few more goodies coming up. So be sure to be tuning in and sharing these because I want to continue these with more momentum and more perseverance from myself because complacency bites at me often. So I want to keep doing these and yeah. Wishing you love, sending you abundance, and allowing that, sending the the inner intuition that you guys all have to speak loud and clear to you. Much love, and we'll be turning on in the next one. Peace.